I'm Josh Swartz. And I'm William Millingworth. Hosts of the High Tech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Monday evening, or it may be well into Tuesday, depending on where it is that you might be joining us around the world. But wherever it is that you're joining us from, thank you, as always, for making My EdTech Life what it is today. We really appreciate all of your support. Thank you so much for all the likes, the shares, the follows. Thank you so much for all the feedback and messages, you guys. It means a lot to me to make sure that we're always bringing you the best in education conversations, whether it's ed tech, whether it's just life in general, and anything that affects education, we bring it all. So thank you all so much for joining us. And thank you to all our new YouTube subscribers. As you know, our goal is to get to 1,000 subscribers. And we're about, you know, about 400 people shy of that. So if you don't mind at any time that you get a chance, hop over to YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to that. That would really help out our mission. So I'm excited for today's show because today's guest, I heard them on a podcast called Teachership with Jody and Allie, who I had the pleasure of being on their podcast. And they were on my podcast too as well. So it's a wonderful little network that we are building and continuing to grow. So I'm really excited to welcome to the show tonight, Jennifer Jeansong, who is joining us this evening. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I think this is such a great example of the power of networking and how LinkedIn can be used to connect with folks. So I'm super excited to kind of see this in action and kind of you know, close that loop or you know, show just as an example. Whatever. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited today because today we're adding another stream. So uh, usually we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and X or Twitter, but now we're adding Instagram. So if you are on Instagram, you can check us out live on Instagram too as well. So you are the first one to help me try that. So I'm really excited that you get to be the first on Instagram this evening. Well, Jennifer, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what we're, you know, the the topic of discussion today, which are essential tips for navigating a career shift. But before we do, I would love for my audience to connect with you, who you are as a person. So if you can tell us a little bit about that superhero origin story, because we know every superhero has an origin story. So if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you're currently doing, and what you're up to these days. Absolutely. This is actually one of my favorite questions to ask as a recruiter. I'd love to hear someone's story and their career stories um, from their own perspective. Like you can read someone's resume, but it really, uh, it's a cool question. So um, side note, make sure to have your origin story if you're uh, interviewing, because it's definitely something that a lot of people love to ask. So um, me, I am I'm from Louisiana originally. Grew up here for the most part of my life, a short um, living overseas for my dad's job. But for the most part, um, I've lived in Louisiana. I went to school at the University of Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss, um, for those that know us um, through that name. Um, I wanted to go to a kind of small school um, where I could do my own thing and be my own person. And um, that 
that school was uh, exactly what I needed um, for that. So um, while I was there, I studied journalism and public relations um, but, and got super involved in student media, but really feel, felt like that wasn't what I wanted to do professionally full time. Um, I was able to figure that out maybe a little bit too late, but um, no big deal. I, uh, I graduated and I, I took my first job and I was a, a middle school teacher um, at, on the Emerald Coast, uh, Florida. So at Panhandle in the Gulf uh, of Florida. And I um, loved kids. I loved to write um, and I loved coaching basketball. So um, teaching was a great, um, a great thing for me to do um, to start my career. So I taught there for um, two or three years. I can't remember exactly. It's been so long. Um, two or three years, moved back to home to Louisiana um, and uh, taught for another couple of years um, while I was here. And at the time, I had the opportunity to become a professional development resource teacher. Um, that teacher um, had a model classroom. Uh, that person would go to um, workshops and bring back new um, new skills and new ideas to the, to the teachers to put on the professional development workshops. Um, I also would help teachers really problem solve if they were having a behavior management issue or needed a literacy strategy or something to integrate into their classroom. I would go off and research it and come back and and help them in integrate it into their classroom. So um, that's where I really fell in love with work-based learning and working with adults. Um, I uh, That was kind of the, the aha moment where I said, I just want to do something different. I don't want to be in the classroom every day. Um, this is what I really loved to do and what got me really excited. And that, that was the part of my job that um, I really, really enjoyed doing. So I shifted over to work in, um, in, in undergraduate medical education. So the four years of med school, I uh, supported the um, assistant, or excuse me, the un dean of undergraduate medical education. So I helped him in that admin things with his couple of classes. But then I also got to work with all of the faculty that worked in the medical school to help them um, support them on different levels. So I love that job because I was able to stay in an educational environment, but I wasn't executing classroom lessons every day. Um, and I was able to really utilize the things that I loved about being that that person that helps teachers or help people do their jobs better and really focus um, on that. So um, during that time, I got my uh, master's in adult education. And uh, when it was time, I time to make a transition from that from that job, um, I went to the Louisiana Restaurant Association and the Education Foundation. It's a nonprofit arm of a trade organization for the hospitality industry. And I ran a student um, high school-based program um, that was focused on workforce development and um, really uh, culinary education and restaurant management. So I oversaw 65-ish schools across, across the state. And I also got to work with um, teachers that executed the curriculum in their classrooms. I did teacher trainings, um, got to organize student competitions, really, really loved um, working with connecting students and teachers with opportunities for um, for jobs and long-term careers in the industry. I, uh, I got poached over by one of, um, one of the restaurant partners there. They were like, why do you want to, why do you work for us? I was like, you know, great question. Why don't I work why don't I work for you? I was working on a deep dive project with them um, to help them maximize their their fundraising dollars um, and create this recruiting strategy. And they approached me and said, hey, would you um, 
be interested in being a recruiter. We think it's a really good use of your skill set. Um, and we think you'd be really great um, in this job. And so um, I took a chance. It sounded really great. I thought about it for a while um, and and took the jump over. And so that's kind of how I landed in recruiting. Um, a, a lot of people don't necessarily um, set out in life to be a recruiter, but um, I love that particular job because I got to work um, with bringing in external talent, but I also got to really work with internal talent and help partner with the training department to help them achieve their career goals as well. So help them get on individual development plans and um, work towards that next level of management or getting a promotion or, you know, just being a real resource for them as they continued on their career journey. So that was another place that like that teacher, that nurturer, that that thread kind of sh has shown up um, in my job. And um, after that, I moved over to um, do a similar job with um, a a tech startup um, called Casa Living. Um, it's a short-term rental company, um, hospitality tech startup um, based out of California. I, I needed a change of pace. I was traveling a lot for my job with Raising Canes, and I felt like I was missing a lot here at home um, in my personal life. So just needed a change of pace. And so I uh, sought a new opportunity, one that was fully remote, and that this was prior to COVID when there were a lot of, um, not a lot of remote jobs. And it allowed me to kind of stay here in New Orleans with things that were important to me, but also still do the things that I really loved. Um, so after that, um, I left that this summer, um, this past summer, about six months ago, and um, I started my own business. So I am now the owner of JJ Recruiting Consulting. I work with both businesses and job seekers uh, to help that find and build teams. So um, companies hire me to do direct recruiting for them um, to help them find the right person to fill the, fill the job. But they also hire me to do um, internal systems work and processes, like how to optimize different technologies throughout the recruiting process, um, how to you know, add automations and efficiencies and look at the data and say, where can we get better um, in our recruiting processes to help, to either help the candidate experience, the hiring manager's experience, things like that. Um, I know this is a big tech group um, and people are interested in technology. So I wanted to point that out. But also um, I work um, with job seekers organically. I didn't necessarily set out to, to be someone that did a lot of career consulting, but it's something that I've really loved. And I love working with people that are um, contemplating a career change that need help with getting their resume spruced up or their LinkedIn um, you know, kind of organized, um, help synthesize a lot of information for folks. So that's been one of the highlights of being able to work for myself is I'm really connecting with folks and really helping pull out uh, things that they've done that are a great way to tell their career story, but also to empower them and help them, um, you know, get really excited about the next step or, um, you know, one of the most gratifying things that I've done is, you know, help someone celebrate a new job and help them, you know, figure out which opportunity was the right one and how they were going to accept the offer. And um, you know, being able to share that with my network has just been, um, been really, really cool. So um, long story about who I am, but I, you know, wanted to show kind of my career story. I know there's a lot of teachers that need a change of pace and want to do something different, but maybe don't have the courage to do it just yet, or are afraid that they're going to lose that part of their soul that really enjoys the being the educator, the the coach, the nurturer, you know, and you can really find that in different in different jobs that you have. And you know, in everything that you described, and the the, the myriad of 
experiences that you've had. Really, in listening to you, it just seems like it's really that teacher heart. A lot of it is with those skills that are easily transferable from the classroom into the different settings that you've been in. You're all continually working with your, well, obviously you're continuing to learn different roles and different positions with different companies that you work with, but also in teaching them, you know, as well. So there's a lot of transferable skills. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the teachers that may be a little scared or a little hesitant. Maybe they may have some questions, but they don't know where to go. And as we know, there is just an overwhelming amount of information. And there's so many people that are out there putting things out. And to decipher what is right, what is wrong, what approach should I take, and so on. So I think that's important that there are many wonderful people such as yourself that bring that experience, not only working with big companies and knowing what companies are or what they're looking for specifically, those skill sets, but also working with individuals and kind of saying like, hey, like, like right now you mentioned, you know, it is called the podcast is called My EdTech Life. And you just talked a little bit about how recruiting companies are using a lot of tech to be able to streamline their processes. So for somebody like myself or any others that may be thinking like, wow, you know, what what else is out there that may be tech that maybe is not in education, but it's that fear of like, this is what I've always done and this is where I've always lived. You know, can this work outside of education? So I'm glad that you brought that up. So that's a nice segue into kind of my first question, which is, you know, what are some of the first steps that teachers should consider when thinking about transitioning into a new career? Yeah, I think it's really important to make two lists. Uh, um, one list of things that you really love doing, things that you really like, things that you really enjoy, things that you're good at, your must-have elements for a job. You're going to basically kind of just brain dump onto a piece of paper everything that you love or want to do or really enjoy. Um, I like to use that kind of as a checklist um, when evaluating jobs to see if it's something that might be a good fit with my uh, with my clients. And I like really pull them back to the, you know, what do you really love? Equally important is to make a list of what you really don't want. You know, if you don't want to travel for a role at all, put it on there. The things that you don't want or don't like are just as important because you can use it to help you evaluate that as well to see if you're going to be happy in a role or not. So um, that those are really, really important. And, you know, find, figuring out what you really like to do and what you want to do will then guide how you tell your career story and your resume and your LinkedIn. It'll help you figure out what types of things do I need to emphasize that then show up um, in your application materials, cover letters, things like that um, for each job that you apply for, because you want your your skill set that's directly connected to that particular job that you're applying for to really come out and, you know, having an idea of things that you like to do in a job can also help be a better um, evaluator for you to see if you're going to be happy in a new role, especially in kind of a new, a new environment or a new space you're not quite as familiar in. Excellent. So let me ask then, you yeah. know, just kind of like, uh, that approach. I, and I forgot the phrase. It was coming to my mind, but I forgot the phrase. But it was just kind of like that phrase where it's like you just apply to every job. I don't think that would be ideal, would it? So, no, I wouldn't just apply to every job with a, a blank slate. Now, it's perfectly fine to apply for a lot of jobs that you're interested in. 
um, know that the competition is really, really is strong out there. I've heard this from you know, friends. I've heard I've I've seen it for for myself applying for, you know, contract opportunities and things like that. So competition is really strong. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're qualified for the role and that it's something that you would like to do. You know, I, I, another thing that I like to tell my my clients and people that I work with is, um, you know, don't take it personally when you don't get selected for an interview, um, especially in today's climate. Um, not not as many people are leaving jobs um, as they have been in the past. And um, so there's, you know, there's a ton of competition out there for for each role that you see. So, um, you know, really, while it can be a bummer to not get selected for an interview, it's it's really important to focus on the jobs that you really, really think that you're going to be good at and that you would like and apply for those and utilize um, some networking skills and techniques there. You're going to maximize your impact. And um, when I was in college, I took a career class, like a resume class and, and things. And it's quite outdated, um, you know, 20 years down the road. But this one fact, like really, really stuck out of my mind from my teacher. And she said that I think it was like 90%, 80% of jobs, I forget the exact statistics, um, are never published. Um, they, you know, are obtained through networking and and making those connections and you know having conversations with people. So I don't think that it's quite that that strong now. Um, I do think that you know most companies um, are publishing their jobs in different job boards and and utilizing technology to um, to, to to share. Uh, share that they're they're hiring for a specific role, but um, you know there is a lot of value in in taking the time to to reach out to people that you know, um, you know, and really connect, you know, within your application and, and kind of utilize your connections there as opposed to just mass applying everywhere. There you go. Yes, mass apply. That's what I was looking for uh, because that's often what you hear and you you see other people talking about it and they're like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead. And just apply anywhere and wherever it is that I get a hit, I may not even be qualified for that job. But and then all of a sudden they they'll say like, oh, but I guess what I got that callback and I ended up getting that job after all. And then so you see that there are so many people out there just sharing so many different things. And you know today's show is really just to kind of help those teachers just kind of keep things simple and really just you know, find a go-to resource, whether it's through the podcast and obviously connecting through you. But I'm glad that you mentioned uh, networking because I think that's something that is very important that we will touch on a little bit more as we continue. But I wanted to ask you, you know, many times I think that it, for educators, it's that fear of how can I transition or take these skills, whether it's to the next level in education, maybe in an ed tech company or maybe outside of education, and I think a lot of it is they, they can't find that connection of, you know, being in a classroom to and, and transfer those skills or make that connection to somewhere outside the classroom. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how can teachers identify and leverage that unique teacher skill set to and experiences to possibly get an opportunity whether it's in ed tech or still in education, but in an education company or outside of education? Yeah, I have a couple strategies that I think um, work well. Um, 
first ask people that you trust and that you know and that you've worked with in different ways, whether it's a paid role or a volunteer role, um, what you're good at. Use their outside perspective to get different ways to see things in yourself that you may not have identified. Everyone uses different phrases and they may say something that really triggers, oh yeah, that is great for me to be able to put on my resume or that's something I'm really good at. I do definitely need to, to investigate some opportunities that really highlight that as, as me. Um, use interest tools online. They're often free and just another way to help you um, identify things that you might be, might be good at or that might interest you. Um, I think one of the biggest things that you can do is to just read a bunch of job descriptions. Save the ones that you like. Um, get the ones that catch your attention and look for common threads in those to help you kind of go down that rabbit hole or, you know, start investigating opportunities. Maybe you need to get a specific certification in something that you see pop up frequently. Um, also, just have conversations with people about their jobs and and um, people love to talk about themselves. And I think that they're, you know, this takes a lot of guts to do this sometimes. But if you see someone that has a really cool job that you would like to have, reach out to them on LinkedIn. Just say, hey, I think your job is really awesome. I'm a teacher and I'm looking to transition and this might be something I'm interested in. Would you have 15 minutes on your calendar to connect with me so I can learn more about what you do? Sometimes people are not going to respond to you because they don't check their LinkedIn. They're not not responding to you because they don't want to help. They may say, I don't have time for this this month. Can we connect next? And then say, absolutely. Should I put a reminder in or I'll put a reminder in my calendar to reach out and then follow back up if you're still interested in it. I actually reached out to two people today that wished me a happy birthday and I wanted to connect with them to learn from them. They're both mentors uh, or people that I want to mentor me and then I can learn from. And I basically just said, hey, can I get your calendar for 15 minutes? And one of them said, hey, let's go grab lunch. And I'm like, excellent. That's at least an hour. I can pick his brain and learn new things from him, right? Another one said, absolutely, let's have a virtual coffee. Um, let me find 30 minutes on my calendar. So um, take, take that initiative, even if it's somebody that you don't know. Um, what can it hurt? You, know, you might connect with somebody cool. And, and if not, just keep asking because somebody's going to say yes. And, and use that teacher, that teacher, that part, you know, capitalize on that. Everyone really values the role that teachers have um, in education and in our society. And they typically want to help people who are genuine, most likely good hearted and, you know, want to help others. And if you put it in an easy, approachable way and ask for 15 minutes to learn from them, I think you'll find that people really might help. And, and help you look, figure out, you know, that next step too. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on that aspect because I've had that happen myself and I've been able to reach out to people and connect with them and just learn a little bit more about what they do, obviously. And and just that connection just is goes beyond that. And so it's been great because you build that friendship and then it, it just turns into something else into that next level where, you know, there's opportunities and then there's been opportunities outside of work that I've been able to have due to just reaching out and just saying, hey, how are you? I want to learn more about what you do. So I definitely agree with you. And it's so important just to communicate that and really just go in with that intention of not everybody might want to say yes or will say yes, but those that do, it's going to be great. And you can just definitely take advantage of those 15 minutes that they may give you 
or 30 minutes because that can turn into a wonderful connection that later on can be used either to, for a transition or a reference or just another opportunity that may come your way because they may connect you with somebody else, such as kind of this podcast, really, when yeah. I was listening to Jody and Allie and I was like, oh, my gosh, Jennifer is so cool. Like, I want to get her on the show. And I immediately <laughs> reached out to you and it was great. You know, we, we made some time. And so now this session for me is also one of those for my learning as well, but also for our audience members that's that are learning too. So now kind of going along with that and building their professional network and the importance of that, you know, what are some of the things that you see? And, and maybe we're, we'll get a little bit ahead here because I know this one was one of the questions, but maybe you can save that main point. But when making these connections and using LinkedIn, I know that we see sometimes teachers kind of posting things that maybe are not necessarily suited for LinkedIn. So what would be some advice for any teachers that would love to transition, but maybe are not using LinkedIn in the right manner? What would be your maybe top three things for uh, for them to do on LinkedIn and maybe the top three for them not to do on LinkedIn? Yeah. Okay. So top three, um, make sure your picture is professional, but it doesn't have to be a stuffy headshot from, you know, the 1990s style, you know, with a a necktie up to your deck and, you know, just no smile, you know, have some personality in it. If, go take a look at my LinkedIn profile picture. It's not your traditional one. I had it specifically taken for LinkedIn um, and it, I wanted it to capture who I am, my personality. I wanted it to, to, to show that I'm friendly and I'm approachable. And that's what um, you, you want it to be. And you want it to just be yourself too. I've seen people um, you know, have a picture that A, doesn't really look like them these days. B has other people in it and, you know, C maybe is out on the beach, you know, doing something a little less casual. So, you know, it's easy to have a friend take a photo of you in front of a white wall, um, you know, and a, and a shirt that you really like. So, um, you know, that would be number one. Um, number two, you know, it's it's totally fine to share some personal experiences and things that you do. Um, I ha have some things on my my LinkedIn feed that you know, highlight things that I've volunteered or, um, you know, events that I've attended that you know, were impactful to me, but I don't do it in the same way. And, you know, you think about like, this is like a virtual water cooler, essentially. And, you know, the things that you wouldn't really discuss um, at work, I wouldn't really like put on your, your LinkedIn page as well. So, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the, the top things that, you know, I, I use LinkedIn for is to connect on new ideas and different, different things that help me learn new things. So, um, you know, another really good thing that the top thing that teachers should do is look at different interest groups and, you know, follow people that are in areas that you want to, to work in or learn from because your feed is the algorithm is going to feed you things that they think you want to know based on your interactions. And so if you only only interact with negative folks that are complaining all the time about how bad the job market is, that's what you're going to see over and over again. But if you look for helpful tips, and this is just a job, job search example, if you look for those that are helpful and that, you know, are uplifting and positive, the algorithm is then going to feed you something that's more on the positive tone. So, um, you know, 
definitely keep it professional. Um, my, my, if you feel free to take a look at my my stuff is not the best in the entire world, but you know, I really enjoy working on it. I'm proud of the product that I put out. So if you want to take a look at like my personal um, LinkedIn, and then you can also see how like my personal Instagram is a bit different. I'm a little more playful on it. I show pictures of my dog doing fun things, I like to color my chief of staff because she keeps me in line. And, you know, those types of social media is something that I, um, I ha- I'm a little more playful and have a little more um, personality on my business page there. But um, with LinkedIn, people are are looking at it as a as an online resume. Um, think of it that way. And you know, a lot of times I'll make connections for folks that um, I work with and say, hey, Evie, you should meet this person and I'll send them their LinkedIn profile. So that way she can see a quick snapshot of their background, their experience, why they're connecting. And if you have a bunch of noise and things scattered on there about what you did last night or the food that you ate, you know, like you might do on your your personal pages, um, it's going to get a little cluttered um, with that, with that intent for it. So, you know, just think about, you know, the, the face you want to put out in the world professionally and, and think about um, those are the types of things. And can someone learn from it? You know, I, I shared something the other day about, um, it was personal reflection emails that I got, like, what do you do at the end of the year? And I just really loved these questions that they asked. And then I connected it to, to how to use it to improve your your LinkedIn or your resume or how I like tied it back into a professional setting. So, you know, that's an idea too, if there's something cool that you want to share um, with the, the world and, and kind of make those connections for folks if, if you want to put it on LinkedIn. Excellent. And those are great tips. And I absolutely love that. And, you know, it's been interesting because I, I didn't get into LinkedIn until about what, 2018, I want to say 2018, 2019, because it was part of my master's program where in a class we had to create a LinkedIn profile, but I never really, you know, dove in deep. It was just, you know, the basic for requirements for the class. But now I have been able to make some amazing connections, meet some amazing people. Obviously, you know, bring in some amazing guests too as well, because like you mentioned, you know, depending on who it is that you follow and the interest groups and so on, you can definitely find some amazing people that are doing some great things that, again, reaching out to them and saying, hey, would you love to share your story? Oh my gosh, yes. Because, you know, like you said, people love to share what it is that they're doing. So that's something that's very important. And obviously too, just keeping it very professional. And and I try my best just for the content to always be in line with what I do, with what I stand for. So people get an idea of what it is that I'm doing, but also, you know, amplifying those uh, educator voices or those professional voices that are out there, whether they're founders or co-founders, which is something that's great. So that kind of leads me to my next question, because as you know, this has been my brand for about three and a half years that I built and obviously putting it out on LinkedIn. So I want to ask you a little bit about branding or maybe teacher branding. Is there any, like, is that something that is very important, you think? Or is it just kind of like, eh, you know, either way, you know, it doesn't matter too much because maybe recruiters are looking more for that skill set, you know, or is there, should we be placing an emphasis on teachers maybe kind of building a brand or branding themselves in a certain way? I think if it's something that you want to do and if it's important to you and you feel comfortable doing it, I encourage you to do it. But 
my advice is to never lose your voice. Don't try to be somebody that you're, you know, I have worked with people that um, really love to be out there as rule breakers or envelope pushing influencers. They love to, to have videos and post photos of themselves. And that's great. That is what they love and that's who they are. But I've also worked with others that really just love behind the scenes things. And I've taught them how to utilize LinkedIn in a different way to still use it to be successful. So, you know, I think people think I have to do this and this is what a personal brand is and this is how my things should be streamed. And at the end of the day, LinkedIn and your online footprint is supposed to convey who you are and the things that you have to bring to the table, um, not, not what somebody else's style is. So if it's something you want, I think it's a great idea. Go for it. It's, it's something that has really ignited the creative piece in my life that makes me really happy. So, you know, I'm carving it out in my own way. You'll very rarely see a picture of me in it. And someone is really encouraging me to step outside my comfort zone and utilize the pictures of myself a little bit more, um, you know, to connect with folks in a different way, just based on based on what I do. But um, I would rather be an information sharer and make those connections with people and and have people learn something from what I put out. And so that's how I choose you know, to, to make my brand. And, um, you know, I, I a lot of people harp on, oh, let me I have to have this like personal brand and and do so many things. And, and to me, that's not as important. Um, what to, if it's important to you and makes you be and you really enjoy doing it, then I, I say go for it. And it's important, super important then because it makes you happy. There you go. And that's great. And that's great advice because as you know, like it's like everybody's on their own separate journey. You know, it's like not everybody's path is going to be the same way. You know, even in, in transitioning paths are going to be, they're going to be, they're going to vary actually, you know, based on, you know, that person, their skill sets and so on. Also the connections they make and you know, there's so many variables out there. And so, again, I just want to like let teachers know just in the same way, you know, you don't have to emulate that finished product that you see, you know, that polished product that you may see on social media and so on, because that took hours and hours to build or years to build. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being yourself and just being your authentic, genuine self, because you definitely still have a lot to offer. So, you know, just I don't want because oftentimes what I've heard is like, oh, no, you need to build your brand. You need, And so they put that pressure on themselves. And sometimes it's like you said, it can be more overwhelming than, you know, helpful. And today's, you know, point of the show is to be as helpful as possible. And, you know, just low barrier to entry for a lot of these questions that we're fielding today, just, you know, for teachers to have a resource that could be easy to follow. And obviously with an expert like yourself that has had, you know, a a myriad of experiences from, you know, the high level to working with, you know, one-on-one -on -one and coaching and so on. It's great to hear that and so refreshing that it's not a must. You can, but it's nothing right. that's going to yeah. make that big of a difference, you know? Yeah. And, it, you know, it's also if it's something that you really feel passionate about, you really want to try to do to to highlight a specific type of skill set, um, it can still be utilized once you're in your new role. And that's what you know, I try to work with a lot of my clients to help them see is that the things you're building now, yeah, we're maybe going to clean it up, add a little pizzazz to it, you know, help pull out some of your achievements that you didn't see before. But I'm also going to hopefully teach you something that you can then use 
in your in your role to be more successful or be more fulfilling. Like it was always on my to do list to just have a LinkedIn presence. And um, I, I never I never did it and had the opportunity until I started working for myself. And so um, that's the one of the main sources that I have um, of m- making new connections. It's um, you know, generating business and, and things like that. So it's not just to help you get a new job. Um, it's also to make those connections. And, you know, when it boils down to it, I love to share this story. Um, I hope it'll go over on our time. But, um, oh, gosh, 10, 12 years ago when LinkedIn first started, um, you know, like you, I had a super simple, like, picture. Maybe I didn't even have a picture. I might have just had, like, my list of jobs that I had or my current role and you know, it was much, much different than it is today. But I had a friend that I knew from from high school, from the Future Business Leaders of America, Jacob. And he worked for Teach for America, had a very, um, you know, a leadership role with them. He then also started working for our local um, school board or school district as a like, chief of staff. I think was his title. Um, so, you know, a huge leadership role in education. And And he reached out to me and said, hey, Jennifer, I see that you know um, Kyle, who was um, a craft brewer, um, he was in charge of the craft brewery distribution for the state of Louisiana um, for the one particular distributor. And he's like, hey, can you introduce me to him? Um, you know, I'm really interested in, in learning about, you know, craft brewing and, you know, potentially even like kind of starting my own side business. And I said, sure. So I like introduced it over email, like today I would use LinkedIn direct messages. I don't even think they had LinkedIn direct messages then, but um, LinkedIn was no fluff, nothing. And so I just sent an email. I said, hey, Kyle, meet Jacob. Jacob is awesome. I know him from FBLA. Hey, Jacob, meet Kyle. Kyle is awesome. I know him from Kickball. I'll let you two take it from here. And now they have this wonderful brewery um, based out of New Orleans called Urban South. And I am so proud of them and the work that they've built um, and the brand that they've built from that. But that is what LinkedIn is for, is to, to make people, you know, have connections and, you know, help them, you know, live their dreams and, and do what they want to do and find work that's fulfilling and, you know, build their brand um, for work too. So, um, you know, it's definitely a success story. And, and, and at that time, there was no branding. There was no, like, strategic efforts to do anything on your LinkedIn profile. And so, you know, I share that because it can still work way today too. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, I want to touch on a question, you know, kind of as we start kind of winding down a little bit and, and it's okay. I, I hope I, I want to respect your time, but this oh, is a I'm question that have- I must ask too as well, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about resumes. Sure. All right. So a lot of things that I see on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, mainly on TikTok, and you see them also on Instagram, you get people that are either trying to sell you a resume template or telling you like, hey, you know, put this into your resume template. And if they're using chat GPT, it's going to say hire this person and so on and so forth. So I want to ask you, you know, since you have a lot of experience working with people with resumes, these resume readers, how legit is it? You know, should teachers really, you know, worry about, you know, uh, using either AI to help them kind of boost their their resume a little bit. Is it going to be? Is it going to penalize them, or is it something that you know will still be go through? What are your ideas, or what's been your experience? So I use ChatGPT 
on a daily basis. Do I ask it to write me content? No. Do would I ask it to write me a resume? Absolutely not. Um, I use ChatGPT to help synthesize information and help give me ideas. One way that I use it, um, I I often take a job description, paste it into um, ChatGPT, and say what types of what things should I emphasize in a cover letter or resume to match this job description, and then it pulls out a list of ten things. I then take my own words and utilize it there. So it can be incredibly helpful to help you synthesize things. It can also help you get predicted interview questions that are asked in an interview so that way you can practice. For example, you could post that job description and say, what are some potential interview questions that might be asked? It'll give you 10, 15, 20 questions. You can then use those to prepare for your interviews. Super helpful tools. Now, there is a certain voice or copy that you can kind of pick up and it's just very generic and bland and formal. Um, you can kind of see that in resumes and and um, cover letters, but I don't think it's going to necessarily penalize you. But if you're saying the same thing that everyone else is saying, that's not necessarily helping to set you apart in this competitive market. So, you know, I personally have a template that you could you can purchase, um, you know, and I can work with your your resume. But I want the point of both of those things are that they help you make them ultra personalized to pull out what makes you different and and help you showcase how you can make an immediate impact in the role. So you want to highlight achievements, not just job description. It's like you want things that are unique to you that no one else or very few other people could have achieved in the same way. And those are the types of things you want to put on a resume um, to, in, in today's modern resume. That might change in 10 years, but that's what, you know, that's what hiring managers and recruiters are looking for. Um, there is a false ATS rejected in my resume because it didn't have enough keywords. That doesn't happen. Um, and ATS is like a digital filing it is a way to collect applications. So instead of you handing a paper application to the general manager, an ATS just collects it digitally. Now, there are sometimes questions like eligibility questions that are on or reject. Um, like if you have to have a certain license or if you have to have a certain status with a visa or need sponsorship, sometimes companies are not set up to be able to accommodate that type of thing. So they might and or a residency requirement or something like that. So if you answer a question like that, there might be some that do auto-reject you because of those auto-rejection questions. But because you didn't put an, you didn't have a certain number of keywords that match, it's not going to auto-reject you. Now, I utilized um, different search features of ATS to um, help me prioritize who I might want to interview. So if I was hiring for um, a portfolio manager role. And it was really important for the, for the hiring manager to have someone that had hotel experience. So I used the word hotel or something that was connected to that to help search through resumes um, to, to get that because that was their top um, quality that they were looking for. So I utilized it, the keyword there to help connect with folks that might have that experience, but it didn't auto reject you if you didn't experience. So 
just ask my you know my biggest biggest tip for resumes and I probably do an entire session of training um on resumes itself in fact no I can't because I haven't but um you know it's really to make it about you and what you've accomplished in a role of leadership position that you've held um, and these are things that are really sometimes hard for teachers to articulate um you know and, and not trying to sell my service by any means but you know working with someone like me can help you tell your career story in a way um the jobs that you're trying to go for you know, people like me can help you think through specific job opportunities so i've worked with countless people pros and cons of two different opportunities to really have a subjective person that can help you kind of sort through it. You know, and almost everyone that I work with on my resumes, again, I'm not trying to, to tell you this is, but, you know, having someone that you're more than welcome to engage with you, I'd love for to work with you too, but, um, you know, having someone that can help you see um, how to tell that story from a little bit different vantage point it can be super super helpful what that is getting a template that has ideas working one with someone or come you know having hours of coaching whatever you know works for you you know i think it's really important to um, to not just do the same thing that everyone else is doing you know, there are great tools out there like teal is uh, is really great helping you like personalize for um a role, but I find like some other stuff is a leaves out a lot of things that are important and that are unique to you. So, you know, I think it's also worth noting that it's okay to play around with sending in one way. And if it's not really work, revamp it, do something different, add something to it. You know, you really should be making sure that you look at the job description that you're applying for. This goes back to the map. Um, application and then making sure that your cover letter and your resume are tailored that job specifically. And it does it takes time to do that. You know, people often say that jobs are you know, often a full time job. It does take time to personalize it, but you want that company to be able to see that you can provide instant value to them, and this is why they should hire you and how you can add to their team on the salt problem so you know i think taking time to you know get the company research the company um and highlight the things that are problems for that the, that role solve uh, and then kind of figuring out how you can tie that in your resume and cover letter um to help them see that you'd be a great value for them as a excellent and those are great tips because obviously like i said on social media you hear all sorts of stuff and you've got people oh, do this or do that or you know what, in my, you know, so it's not seen, you know, type this in or type that. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, like, that doesn't seem right. It just seems a little, you know, off. And, but, you know, they put these things out there. And, you know, for me, it just bothers me that there are many people, you know, that educators that are looking, you know, for just resources. And then they see these, you know, gentlemen, these women, you know, these recruiters and so on, giving you advice. And then it might not be the best advice, but how do they know? How do they know how to discern what is good and what is bad? And so I'm thankful that, 
you're here today and that you've answered so many questions. And, and I promise you, I know I said I respect your time, but I just want one more question. This will be the last question before we get into our last questions to wrap up the show. But I wanted to ask you, it's like, what trends are you seeing right now in the job market might be advantageous for a transitioning educator? I can have talked about LinkedIn a lot. That's a huge trend and it's super buzzy right now. And that's the biggest trend for me that I think that you should really utilize. Um, it's a great tool that's it's free. It's um, You can use it in so many different ways. It's so great to connect with people, research companies, uh, you know, to help your programmers, for example, give you content to talk about um, in your cover letter in your communications with folks, in your interviews. Like you can learn so much. But also, a lot of companies realize that the best way to connect and advertise their job opportunities um, are, is through LinkedIn. So it's a great source of learning about different types of roles that might interest you, um, learning about different opportunities that are out there. And seeing it's a great tool to use to discern, like, where do I go with my career? And, you know, what types of opportunities are out there? And, you know, even if it's, you see a job that is a different location and it's an on-site role and you're, you don't really qualify for that job, you can still be exposed to it through LinkedIn and say, hmm, I like this type of job. Let me use those keywords or that job title and now search for opportunities, set alerts um, or opportunities that do pop up that I might be eligible to apply for based on my location. That's just a small example. So, you know, the trends um, really LinkedIn and it's like there's so much more that is not even tapped into um, with how you can utilize LinkedIn to, to boost your business, boost yourself in your role. And like I mentioned before, the work that you do to build your profile and um, connect in um, trade organizations and like-minded groups, people, and all of that is going to then help you stay current on new topics in your role that you eventually land, help you work with folks. You know, if you're an ed tech and you, um, you know, you're really, I mean, like sales and you, know, you can totally utilize LinkedIn to be successful as a salesperson and all the connections that you made during your job search can, can pay dividends, you know, in the, in the future. So again, I can talk about LinkedIn for an entire Entire session too, but I do think it's really buzzy right now, but for a good reason. And I have to you know, set a timer for myself sometimes to keep me um, get off of LinkedIn because I just, I just love interacting with people and I love learning things and being exposed to information. But if anything you find on the internet, you gotta like evaluate it and make sure that it's coming from the best words. And, but the brightest question, someone called me out the other day on something I posted and hadn't really worded as clearly as I should. And I decided instead of saying something and he's like, hey, this is really, um, really a little extreme. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you for saying, like, call it out if it doesn't seem right. Um, don't be afraid to ask a question. I prefer if it's one of more because it's for Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate 
all the wonderful shares, Jennifer. It's been an amazing evening, an amazing chat. And obviously, this this could have definitely been a two or three part show because uh, you're absolutely right. There's so much information, and and I'm so thankful for wonderful people such as yourself that are out there that have had so many experiences, you know, and also you know the one-on-one personal experience. And you're so well connected, you know exactly, you know how to help you know, anybody that might be transitioning or wanting to grow to a different role. So that's wonderful. So again, for all our audience members, please make sure that you connect with Jennifer. I've been popping in the LinkedIn. I've been popping in her Instagram. Also the website, I've been sharing all that with you. All of that will be in the show notes. So please make sure that you check out the episode show notes to get all that information and connect with Jennifer. Jennifer, before we wrap up, I always love to end the show with the last three questions. Now, as we know, every superhero has a weakness. And we know, for example, Superman's greatest weakness or pain point was Kryptonite. So I want to ask you, in the current state of, I guess, transitioning or job transitioning, what would you say would be your current, I guess, transitioning Kryptonite or that one pain point that you see that you're like, oh, oh stop, you need to stop. <laughs> yeah, um, first, I'm often too wordy, and I say way too many words both in written and verbal communication that I need to say to get a point across. So I think um, that I see this a lot um, with with resumes, LinkedIn, just communications in general, emails. Um, we often say way too much. So, you know, one thing that I, I try to do for myself is, Anytime I need to write something down, like if I want to, if I want to write a cover letter, or I need to write an email, or I want to write a LinkedIn post, I put everything in my brain and brain dump. I write it down, and then like I gotta go back and revise it. I gotta go back and revise it again. I gotta go back and you know, just go back and read through it. Make sure that you edit down. Maybe use bullet points. You know, people don't have time to read a novel, and they certainly will lose the gist and the main points that you're trying to say in something in a super lengthy cover letter or an email. So just like say what you want to say and get it out there and, and don't use too many words. And, and I think this also um, really feeds over into interviewing as well. Um, in verbal situations, people get really nervous. Um, and one, one thing that people do is just say over and over and over again or kind of word vomit is, is a phrase that's been used. And um, you know, one, one thing that think people aren't as aware of, but something that you can utilize to practice and, and start to, to focus on is, you know, people often will give you some nonverbal clues when you're starting to, to lose their focus. So kind of be aware of those um, in, your, in your interactions with them, whether you're meeting them at a networking event or you're having an interview. And if someone kind of looks like they've kind of, they're kind of lost or kind of spacing out, just quickly wrap up and move on to the next point. So, you know, try to practice Things that would you might say over and over again, like your origin story or, you know, what you do currently, like practice it and getting it more and more concise, write it down, get it more concise. Um, that way you can get your point across and not lose focus and um, make sure that your message is conveyed in the way you want it to be conveyed. Thanks. Love it. Great advice. Keep it simple and streamlined. Yep. Love yes. it. All right. Question number two yes. is if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? So I'm so bad at like drawing attention to myself. So I would love to have a digital billboard that had a rotating screen to highlight nonprofits that I thought were worthy social 
impact organizations. And then that way it could help build some community and draw attention to them. And, you know, hopefully people in the community could connect with those, those organizations to utilize their services, or maybe they could donate some time or effort or money um, to help support that. So like, I'd really just like to showcase um, people doing good work in my community to make sure that the word gets out about those people. Love it. Great, great, great. Love it. All right. And the last question, Jennifer, is if you or is there, excuse me, is there a hobby or favorite activity that you have that you wish you could turn into a full time job? Hands down, interior decorating um, and interior design. Um, I have a good jillion picture saved on my phone and my Instagram on house like I just love to like piddle it around my house. You see, you see a blank wall behind me with, with a picture, but you know, there's, it's, it's so much more. Um, and it's really, truly something that I love doing. Um, I love hosting. I love like last night I had a dinner party at my house and had this fancy thing set up in my backyard. And I love to do that. So I would love to be able to, um, help other people's photos become reality and kind of toyed with the idea. And, um, I've even asked some folks if I could shadow them here and there. Um, maybe. Maybe one day I'll have that as another business or, you know, know, passion project, but hands down, um, would love to do that full time. And it would make all of my creative Sagittarius soul dreams come true. (laughs) Love it. Absolutely love it. And I love that creative aspect of it too, as well. That's wonderful. Well, Jennifer, it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for really sharing your expertise and really sharing just some great knowledge for anybody that is out there that is interested in transitioning. Um, you definitely shared some wonderful tips and things that are fairly easy for teachers to follow just to kind of relieve some of that pressure. Any educator that is out there that is just feeling overwhelmed because there's so much stuff out there. Hopefully tonight, you know, what you heard from Jennifer can definitely be of help to you. So thank you, Jennifer. Appreciate you. And to all our audience members that were joining us live, Thank you so much uh, for we definitely had a lot of love uh, on Instagram. Today was the first night. We, yeah, hey, it worked. Awesome. So thank you all. I really appreciate you all. And again, you know, if you want to make if you want to check out this episode, please make sure you visit our website, guys. Those of you that are going to catch this on the replay, go visit us at myedtech.live where you can check out this amazing episode and the other 257 wonderful episodes where you'll be able to find some knowledge nuggets and sprinkle them onto what you are already doing great. So please make sure you visit our website. Make sure you follow us on all socials at my edtech life. And please, if you haven't yet, jump over to our YouTube channel, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We greatly appreciate it. As you know, our mission is to get to 1000 subscribers. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all our new subscribers and for all our listeners. As always, thank you for your support. You know that we do what we do for you so we can bring you amazing guests, amazing conversations week in and week out. So thank you all. And until next time, my friends, don't forget, stay techie.